in one of his uh, books. Uh, <clears throat> Max Licato tells about a week that he had while he was uh, living in Brazil. And uh, it was a week in which everything went wrong. A cancelled flight leaving him and relatives that he was hosting stranded. Heavy rain and $300 worth of ruin to his camera. Finding out that while he had told his family that they were spending Christmas with them, his wife Denelin had told her family that we were spending Christmas with them. And then the car broke down. He spent an hour tinkering with a broken-down car in a parking lot. Finally, he called the mechanic and was told that the tow truck was busy. Could he wait a few minutes? In Brazil, he says, the word minutes can better be translated years. So I waited, and I waited, and I waited. My children grew up and had children of their own, and still I was waiting. Finally, as the sun was setting, the truck appeared. Put it in neutral. I was instructed. As I climbed in the car, I thought, might as well try it one more time. I turned the key in the ignition, and guess what? You got it. It started. That should be good news. It was, until I saw the driver of the tow truck was in no hurry to leave. He wanted to be paid. So I paid him for watching me start my car. I immediately drove the car to the mechanic, and as I drove, two devils came and perched on my shoulders. They spoke the language of the liar, the devil. One was anger, the other was self-pity. Boy, did he find a listening ear. Not only had I had a bad week, he reminded me that I had been plagued with a bad life, born with a handicap of freckles and red hair, always too slow for track, never elected most likely to succeed, and now a missionary suffering on foreign soil. Anger in one ear and self-pity in the other. Then someone got his attention. And he says he didn't look like an angel, but I know he was an angel, for only angels bring that type of message. He knocked on my door, on my car window. Do you have any spare change, sir? He was, he was at most nine years old, shirtless, barefooted, dirty. I rolled down the window. The voices on my shoulder went silent. What's your name? Jose, I looked at the sidewalk. Two other street orphans were walking towards the cars behind me. They were naked except for ragged gym shorts. Are they your brothers? I asked. No, just friends. Have you collected much money today? He opened a dirty handful of coins, enough money perhaps for a soft drink. I reached in my wallet and pulled out the equivalent to a dollar. His eyes brightened, mine watered. The light changed and the cars behind me honked, and I drove, as I drove away, I saw him running to tell his friends what he had received. The voices on my shoulder didn't dare to say a word. 
nor did I. The three of us drove in shameful silence. I figured I had said enough and God had heard every word. What if God had responded to my grumbling? What if he'd heeded my complaints? He could have. He could have answered my careless, mumbled prayers, and had he chosen to do so, a prototype of the results had just appeared at my door. Don't want to mess with the airlines. This boy doesn't have that problem. Frustrated with your video camera? That's one headache this boy doesn't have. He may have to worry about tonight's dinner, but he doesn't have to worry about video cameras. And family? I'm sure this orphan would gladly take one of your families if you are too busy to appreciate them. And cars? They are a hassle, aren't they? You should try this boy's mode of transportation, bare feet. God sent the boy with a message, and the point the boy made was razor sharp. Your complaints are not over the lack of necessities, but the abundance of benefits. You bellyache over the frills, not the basics, over benefits, not essentials. The source of your problems is your blessings. And he says, Jose gave me a lot for my dollar. He gave me a lesson on gratitude. Well, in the text that we just read a few minutes ago, we see someone who really stood out, who highlined the meaning of gratitude, gratefulness, thankfulness. Some things about the story before I isolate certain principles. Notice how the ten of them called to Jesus from a distance. Why? Because lepers were quarantined. They were not allowed to come close. So they call loudly to him from the distance, Master or Jesus, have mercy on us. And then we see that Jesus instructs them to go and show themselves to the priest. And that was from the Old Testament law. Before a leper could be allowed back into society, he had to be checked out by the priest and pronounced clean. I think it's significant that Jesus had a way to heal them without them having to break that particular regulation. They didn't have to come right up to him. He, they could just go on their way to the priest. And they were healed. They obey. They go. All ten of them. I thought it was interesting, too, uh, to consider that there's one that stands out as a, as a Samaritan. And, you know, the uh, Jews and the Samaritans... Uh, don't have normal dealings with one another, but I guess in that kind of misery, they were all lepers. <laughs> and I think there's a principle there that uh, when you're hurting, when you're disadvantaged, you, you're able to fraternize with people that you wouldn't normally uh, connect very much with. Well, they have a lot of things in common. They are together in a lot of things. They're desperate together. <laughs> they cried out with a loud voice together. They all believed that Jesus could help them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been calling out to him. 
They all obeyed his command to go to the priest to show themselves. Uh, they all do that. And uh, all of them are healed of leprosy. But there is that one that broke rank. One of them was so moved with what? Gratitude, gratefulness, spilling over. So he turned and came back to Jesus to say thank you. Was it significant? Did it really matter? Well, I think so, because Jesus uh, says or asks the, the rhetorical question, we're, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? He singled out this one for doing the right thing, and he was disappointed in the other nine. One out of ten. I wonder if that's typical. I hope it's not, but I do wonder. Is it typical that there's such a small percentage of us, or perhaps all of us, such a small percentage of the time, where we are really grateful? Gratitude. And so in this person, this Samaritan, we have something helpful uh, to all of us regarding gratitude. I think on the one hand, we see something of gratitude being described in the way he responded. But in a hopeful note, we probably see something in him too that can help us, that can uh, give us a bit of a direction in how to be more grateful. I want to point out three things this morning that uh, we see in him that I believe are good models for us. And that is that it, his gratitude found expression. He expressed it. Second thing, it was obviously he was giving his thanks to the actual source, the one who really had helped him. And then thirdly, I think too that he illustrates the principle that he didn't see this as something that he, he was entitled to particularly, but he saw it as something extra that was given to him. His gratefulness found expression. We don't know how the others felt about their healing, Text is clear that they were healed. Did they enjoy the gift? Well, of course they did. Were they thankful? Very thankful? I guess we'll never know. But this man, we do know, he was grateful to the point of spontaneously and yet intentionally, not quietly, not secretly, but publicly, spilling over with thanksgiving. As it says in first. In verse 15, it says that in a loud voice, praising God in a loud voice, very expressive. And then it says that he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. Very expressive of his gratefulness. Many places in the Bible we are called to, not just to be thankful, but to give thanks, to express thanks. Listen to some of those verses. Earlier we read Psalm 100. Oh, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Expression 
Colossians 3.17, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I like what Gary Thomas said about that in his book, Authentic Faith. He says, every time we sit down for a meal, instead of taking the food for granted, we are encouraged to remember God who provided it and thank Him for its provision. It's helpful to do the same thing every time we enter our houses. Thank God for providing shelter from the weather. We should be thankful every time we adjust the thermostat. Yeah. Especially if you live in northern Alberta. Or if you live in Winnipeg and you have air conditioning. We were there for over, uh, I forget, 15, 13 years. Their uh, air conditioning is reasonably standard. Um, gratitude should cover us every time we put on a shirt or cover our feet with shoes. Think of the boy in Brazil without shoes. We take most of these things for granted, but the discipline of thankfulness keeps God's goodness fresh. Discipline of thankfulness. I think there's something about expressing it that really does help us. Well, we could all add to the list, like whispering a thank you every time we use running water. Pretty special. Or visit a medical clinic, even when the doctor is off schedule and you have to wait. I've been told I have to wait a month probably to see the... I hate to say it because I, I mix up <laughs> those two. But you know, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry I have to wait so long, but I'm grateful that I live in a place where I can have that kind of care. Imagine my situation being relatively small, I think, and yet all of that stuff going on for my benefit. You know, ultrasound and wearing a halter, those kinds of things. Or how about when we're in a long, slow checkout line at Save-On or Superstore or Safeway? You know, grumble because of the long line maybe, but let's, let's think of it this way. What if you came from a place like Brazil and you walked into the store and you saw all of those things on the counters, on the shelves available? You know, I, some, of them I think, some of them I think simply break down and cry. It is so amazing that we have such choice and to think we have the money that we can make those choices and buy it. The leper's gratefulness found expression. I know that gratefulness is a matter of the heart and yet I think, as I said before, there's something helpful in expressing it, going on God's record of saying, whispering a thank you to him. He found a way to express it. Secondly, and very simply, and yet so important, it was directed to the Lord. It says that he praised God and he thanked Jesus. He knew the source of his healing and expressed his overflowing thank you to the Lord himself. His thanksgiving was a specifically directed to where it should be, to God through his Son. Now, in his case, of course, he could hardly miss it because our Lord was right there on the spot. Um, but for the rest of us, 
I suspect there will be many Canadians this weekend who will recognize their good fortune. They will acknowledge the same, that we are so lucky, fortunate. But grateful to whom? Because our gratefulness is not to our lucky stars, not to a blind fate, not just to Mother Earth, but it's specifically directed. We know the source. We know the giver of all our gifts. We know that he is a personal God, that his name is Yahweh, and that he has come to us in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.20 specifies for us the way that we are to give thanks, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the creator and all that we are and all that we are enjoying come from him. And he's not only the creator who got the whole thing started, but he's also the one who continues to direct nature. And he continues to be the provider. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. But again, does it really matter? Does it really matter that we are directing our gratefulness to where it belongs? And I say, yes, it does. It's all the difference between light and darkness, true worship, and ultimately idolatry. The difference between honoring the God who has revealed himself in Christ or just whoever, whoever. And... Uh, you know, you find in the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus that the very gospel message itself that was being proclaimed had the person of the risen Lord at the very core of that message. As the apostles proclaimed the message in those early days of the church, we note that at the very center was that he is Lord of all. The Lord Jesus is Lord of all. Not the current king or Caesar, but the risen Lord. That was central to the whole gospel presentation. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is at Cornelius' house, and this is the beginning of the gospel among the Gentiles. Cornelius would be the first uh, Gentile convert that is, uh, and his house that's recorded for us. And among other things, this is what Peter said to him explaining. He says, you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Another place, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas, they were in Thessalonica. And of course, there was accusation uh, brought against them uh, some of the people that uh, were not, who were resistant to the gospel, they wanted to stir up controversy, they wanted to stir up persecution against them. And this is what they accused them of. They said about them, they are all defying Caesar's decrees. See that? Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. And that is the issue for people today. Do we give our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, or do we bow to another kind of a God, whether it's materialism or 
anything else. But the core gospel message is who this person is and that Jesus is the Lord. And uh, that's part of becoming a Christian. You commit under the Lordship of Christ, expressing our thanks to our Lord. But then there's something else. He expressed it. He expressed it to the Lord. But thirdly, we see from his response that he was receiving it like a gift to him. Fell on his knees, which expresses humility, praising God, thanking Jesus. No suggestion that he thought he was already entitled to this. That this was his now by right rather than privilege. No suggestion in the way that he responded that he really deserved this particularity. Uh, you know, we don't know about the other nine. <laughs> maybe, maybe they had a sense of entitlement in their mind. You know, I deserve this healing. About time. You know, I've been miserable long enough and now things are normal for me. We don't know what their attitude was. But to be truly thankful... I have to have an attitude. I have to have a mindset that these blessings I'm enjoying are mine as a gift rather than as something that I have a claim on. They are mine by privilege rather than by right. That I do not assume that God is obligated to bless me. Now I know that a certain kind of lifestyle, of course, there are blessings that follow that. And uh, read the book of Proverbs. But just think of what we call as the accident of your birth. I just uh, Google this morning. Have you any idea how many children are going to be born during this hour that we are together in worship? I looked it up. 15,000 new babies per hour are born in the world. That means 250 every minute. That's approximately four babies every second. How many of them do you suppose will be born into as privileged a place as where we happen to be? I didn't order to be born in Alberta, Canada. I had nothing to do with that. It's God's gift to me. And it is as I realize that I don't have a claim, I'm not entitled to these things, but they've been given to me. That's what it takes for me to really be uh, thankful. On the other hand, if he is obligated to me, then I deserve the blessings he gives me. And if I deserve them, there's no need to be grateful when I receive them. All of these favors in my direction, it's just the way things should be. And not only that, but if God does not come through for me in the way I think he owes me, or should he take away something I treasure, well, I will then believe that he is in the wrong, for he has failed to meet his obligations to me. So I have a right to turn my back on him. I wonder, is that perhaps where anger at God comes from at times? Which I suppose and suspect is ultimately against God, but it's taken out on anger with people. And how about envy? God owes me at least as much as he owes others. And again, not exactly a good formula for gratitude. 
appreciate uh, Adriel uh, drawing attention to the background of that song we sang this morning. I, di I did not know that. But uh, good observation, it makes good sense. But we sa sang some of these words, and they express the difficult but the proper posture, whatever our situation happens to be. Blessed be your name when the sun is shining down on me, when the world is all as it should be. <laughs> Blessed be your name. But then he also wrote these words, Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. It is when we realize that what we have, we have by his love and grace, rather than something that we deserve, that it's a gift. That's when we can really be grateful and give thanks. I note the surprise element here. In verse 16 it says that uh, the one who came back was a Samaritan. And then when Jesus comments, when he comes to him, he says, has no one returned to give praise to God except, except this foreigner? Surprise element here. It shouldn't be that way. But so often in Luke it was the outcasts and the sinners who responded most enthusiastically to Jesus. I think there's a warning there for us. Uh, we perhaps, as evangelicals, we see ourselves on the inside, and we should feel secure about our commitment to the Lord and that He accepts us when we really, really commit ourselves to Him. And yet, it could be that we have all the doctrines right, and yet we're not living according to those good teachings. In fact, there's no question whatsoever in the scriptures that the purpose of doctrine is always so that we might live right. There's no particular value in knowing the right things if we don't put them into, into practice. And frankly, I'm not sure that there's anything uh, after commitment to Christ that is of a higher priority, on a higher priority scale of right living in that spirit of gratefulness. I'm not sure there's anything. Remember, some of you will remember that we have uh, three adult children and seven grandchildren. And uh, the youngest one, the youngest of our kids now is middle-aged. Imagine that. If, uh, sorry, to, uh, sorry to scare some of you, but he's 41 and I kind of think that's the beginning of middle age. Maybe I'm wrong. That's okay. But one morning when I was doing my routine walk for exercise, I was pondering this question. If I could pray only one prayer for our children, if I could only pray one thing for them, given that they are Christ followers, what would I pray for? And this is what I came up with that they would be grateful and live grateful lives. That's a few years ago. But you know what? I think it was a good answer. See, when, you have, when you're grateful, there's so many things that go with it, like worship and praise, spirit of humility. At the same time, if we really understand some of what you know, I was saying earlier that uh, gratefulness 
contradicts the sense of entitlement. You can't really have both. And so as I am grateful, I realize that these are mine by privilege, by gift. And it takes away that sense of entitlement. And it should also follow that when I see myself as uh, that God has given all this to me, I see myself as a steward of my blessing rather than an owner, which in turn will motivate me to share, to bless even as I have been blessed. And I'm wondering, is there any better motive for generosity towards others than gratefulness? Is there any better motivation for generosity than being so grateful for what he has given to me. In the scriptures, we have this pattern that we are blessed to be a blessing. Remember what God said to Abraham at the very beginning, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. And so when God blesses his people, his intention is that they will pass on the blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We have been loved so much, so we love others in return. We have been given much grace, so we treat others with grace. We have been forgiven, so we are quick to forgive others. We have been enriched with material things, so we are called to be generous in giving to others. All of that goes with being grateful. I'd like to close with a prayer that originally appeared in the advice column of Dear Abby. It was written by Abigail Van Buren. And I'm going to read that prayer now, and then we're going to stand together before we uh, finish, and we're going to recite some of that together. But it goes like this. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for food and remember the hungry. We thank Thee for health and remember the sick. We thank Thee for friends and remember the friendless. We thank Thee for freedom and remember the enslaved. May these remembrances stir us to service that Thy gifts to us may be used for others. Let's stand together and we'll say those words and I'll invite the worship team to come and prepare for the closing hymn. But I'm going, to, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask if you would recite those bold words that are underlined, and I'll, I'll say the others. Uh, so let's, let's come up here first, and then we'll be ready to sing, uh, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So recite together the underlined part. O oh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for food, we thank Thee for health. We thank Thee for friends. We thank Thee for freedom. 
And together, may these remembrances stir us to service, that thy gifts to us may be used for others. Amen.